Me, 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 me. I mean, it, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Chris Paul was making fun of James' man boobs in practice. I'm here so I won't get fined. I'm here so I won't get fined. I don't even know where you're sitting at. But. <laughs> I believe this is getting a bit silly. Welcome back to Slam Drunk. I'm Drew Hernandez. And I'm Mike H. Westner. The H stands for Hadrosaur. Last week, week two of the NFL season, I beat Mike in our fantasy football league, and I have presented a form of media art for him to consume and feel utter shame. And the following week, while I was feeling this shame that I knew I would feel because of this, but did not quite yet because it was only foreshadowed and not done yet, I happened to beat Og in week three, and I also have a live presentation for him. Is it called Drew's song? I hit play. Michael Wessner and the Little Baby Men, take your seat in my class because we're about to do some math. Michael, Michael, who could you turn to? Not Saquon, that's for sure. You gave me a double you I can hold on to. Thanks, cock. I know you thought Tyreek Hill could have done more. You drafted a domestic abuser. Your little baby men, they just, they just couldn't score. Michael, I got your number. I made the baby men cry. Westner, let's look at the numbers. I beat Michael by 45. Yeah, fantasy numbers, yeah, they don't lie. Yeah, I beat Westner by 45. Yeah, fantasy numbers, yeah, they don't lie. Yeah. That was really good. You took that really seriously and professionally. I only heard one cuck throughout, which shocked me, but it impressed me in a, in a way that intimidated me a little bit, like you didn't need it. I was a choir boy. I think it is your time to share Augs. I beat August in week three. This is an adaption of Shakespeare's 64th sonnet, written in what I believe is iambic pentameter. When I have seen by times fell handed defaced, the rich, proud cost of outworn football age. As August's lofty towers I just down-raised, his team, eternal slaves to Wentz's rage. Week three, my team, the hungry ocean gained, advantage over the shores of realm Ogdog. My strong team won, causing August great pain, increasing Og with loss and loss with Og. Now I have seen such interchange of team. Og's team itself confounded to decay. Victory hath taught me thus to believe. Og's time hath come. I took first place away. After this loss, Og's team may reconstruct. So weep, dear Og, for thou art but a cuck. And that's it. That was excellent. I've never heard something so beautiful, Mike. 
Thanks. It is, I think, an iambic pentameter. I don't think any of our friends know any better. I did screw up the first line. That was 11 beats. It was supposed to be 10. But other than that, it was written right. So... Before we kick off this week's episode and Mike and I shoot the shit, we're each going to give a social justice shout out to a player team that has recently made a significant contribution to civic engagement. For my shout out this week, I'll be talking about a large group of athletes led by NBA superstar and civil rights activist LeBron James, who has teamed up with the NAACP and announced a movement titled We Got Next. This movement is focused on increasing the number of poll workers in predominantly black electoral districts and have so far inspired over 10,000 people to volunteer. As a part of the We Got Next movement, first-time poll workers were able to virtually attend the first game of the NBA Finals between the Lakers and the Miami Heat. They were able to attend alongside current and former players, uh, such as Shaq, Dwayne Wade, and Julius Irving, and also President Obama was in attendance with those first-time poll workers. The program specifically targets porting voter turnout in 11 cities where there are still significant shortages of poll workers. These cities include Houston, Birmingham, Cleveland, Detroit, Philadelphia, Flint, and others. LeBron James and his counterparts are truly leading by example in terms of demonstrating how athletes and other celebrities can utilize their platforms to promote civic engagement. And for my shout out, I wanna give a very nice, very cool and well-deserved shout out to the two-time defensive player of the year in the NBA, Utah Jazz's Rudy Gobert, who just shared today, the date of this podcast recording, a statement on his Instagram story condemning China's treatment of the Uyghur Muslims. This is something that is a huge step in the right direction for the NBA because, as many of you probably know, the NBA did turn its back on the Free Hong Kong movements when Houston Rockets GM spoke out and said Free Hong Kong. There has been a lot of criticism towards the league and its players for not speaking out against China's government. And this is definitely one aspect of uh, China's government and social issues abroad that they haven't mentioned before to our knowledge. So the fact that Rudy Gobert came out and said wrong is wrong and shared a message with more details and statistics about uh, the treatment of Uyghur Muslims is huge. So thank you, Rudy Gobert. And I hope many other athletes follow in your footsteps and condemn China for those actions because it is very important. Yeah. It was the most pop-ups I've ever seen. I've been on the dark web. I use all kinds of different things. It was the most pop-ups I've ever seen on a single website ever. Wow, that's shocking. I'll tell you why, there's no reason why. You can't stop me from drinking this beer, in fact. Why would we? I don't want to. Yeah. Let's stop complimenting people and let's stop yeah. calling people cool. Let's get shitty. Fuck, let's. I'm opening my fourth beer. We have definitely 100% not predetermined what or who we're going to talk about for this segment today, and we're going to spin the wheel. Tennessee Titans. Nashville, Tennessee is a great city. I've been there before. Your stadium looks really cool. All I have to say is, why on earth would you choose the name Titans? And I looked it up. 
The nickname for Nashville, if you didn't know, is the Athens of the South. And because there's a lot of classical Greek architecture and academic institutions in Nashville, they decided that an allusion to Greek mythology, such as Titans, would be cool. And while there's a lot of alliteration there, that's just a terrible name. It's not specific. Any team could be Titans. It doesn't have to have any fucking geographic implications. I wouldn't have even known that they were called Athens of the South if I didn't look it up because of your stupid names. Also, you don't speak for the whole state of Tennessee. You move from Memphis to Nashville, and the Memphis Grizzlies are in the other city that everyone knows in Tennessee. Fucking get together. Do something with them. It doesn't make any sense why you're on opposite sides of the state when I think of Tennessee as one state. I totally agree on Titans. That's one of their worst mascots. One of the other ones, though, do you know what the mascot is for the University of Tennessee? I do not. Please enlighten me. The University of Tennessee, where Peyton Forehead Manning attended college, is the Volunteers. Talk about a group of cucks. I, I enjoy volunteering myself, but I don't go around bragging about it. Tennessee, a bunch of righteous assholes. Volunteers are one of the groups of people in mascot names that I would be more than willing to fight. Volunteers are often 60 plus, trying to find the meaning in their lives, especially when you live in the middle of nowhere is Tennessee. Nashville specifically, I truly like great music scene, everything like that. However... One of the bad parts of Nashville. Nashville is the home to the cuck himself, Ben, my wife is dry, Shapiro. That guy fucking sucks. But the real reason that we put Tennessee and the Tennessee Titans on our wheel is because the Tennessee Titans have now officially been the first ones to fuck up the NFL season. The NFL has been doing well, lots of social justice programs and stuff. But now Nashville has fucked up. And, you know, by happenstance, the Pittsburgh Steelers, which are also terrible and have Steely McBeam, possible pedophile, have canceled the game that was scheduled for Sunday between the Titans and the Steelers because the Titans now have, I believe, nine players and or coaches and or staff otherwise that have tested positive for COVID-19. I don't know what you were doing. I don't know how you got it. When you have millions of dollars, it is easy to avoid the virus. Also, in last year's playoffs, Ryan Tannehill threw for a combined 369 yards in three playoff games and was awarded an extension of $91 million guaranteed. That would not have happened if your team name was something cooler than the Titans. Fuck you, Tennessee, and the Titans, and the Volunteers. Memphis, you're okay. Chattanooga, Mm -hmm. Tennessee is the home to the Moon Pie Factory. You guys are cool. Moon Pie has one of the best Twitter presences of an official company as I can recall. So, you know, follow them. But the rest of you, fuck off. Moon Pie is not a sponsor. Like, uh, I didn't mean to dominate you, but that was a it happened. thundering burp. Diner hits me different. That's true. All right, folks, it's time for our beer of the week. Today... We are drinking Scheinerbach, one of Drew's favorites, a 4.4 Bach, brewed since 1913. Drew, because this is one of your all-time favorite beers, why don't you take it away and tell us a little bit about it? The Scheinerbach has been brewed since 1913, otherwise the year after 1912, which is the year that New Mexico was declared a state. So Scheinerbach, almost as old as the entire state of New Mexico, good for them delicious beer. They have a website, even though they are in the middle of absolute nowhere, Shiner, Texas. And on their website, they describe um, their beer as being brewed with rich roasted barley, malt, and German specialty hops. And describe it as an American-style dark lager that pairs nicely with sitting on your porch, tossing your washer, and petting your dog. August, did I read that right? Is that what they have on their website? 
I assumed that Shiner did not have access to internet in their general area, but, you know, times are changing since 1913, so good for them. Now, if you collect bottle caps and beer labels, this beer is for you, because on their website, the same website where you can go to sit on your porch, toss washers and uh, pet dogs inside washers, you can also ask them to send you a bunch of bottle caps and beer labels. Make sure to reach out to Shinerbach, not a sponsor. The Shinerbach website also touts their dedication to charitable causes, most notably the boot campaign, which helps military personnel and veterans receive care for invisible wounds like PTSD, traumatic brain injury, chronic pain, self-medication, and insomnia. Less than 50% of military personnel and veterans who experience invisible wounds receive care compared to 83% who have visible wounds, and the campaign aims to change that. Drew and I are both three Shinerbachs deep, now working on our fourth. Drew, what are your first impressions, or should I say millionth impressions, because you and I have drank a lot of Shinerbach together, and I have it on good record that you have drank a lot of Shinerbach alone or with other people. Kind of offended. You know, Mike, go ahead and be offended. I've been drinking Shinerbach since I was essentially six years old, so plenty of Shinerbachs by myself, driving trucks when I did not have a driver's license, uh, and, you know, just drinking some beers out in the field. So that's kind of what you do when you're out in the middle of nowhere, Texas, similar to Shiner, Texas. And first impressions, though, it's difficult for me to be unbiased towards this beer. It is tasty. I would say one of the the problems it has is that it's not an especially chuggable beer. Still definitely manageable to get down, but it is also a beer that you don't want to chug because it's absolutely goddamn delicious. I completely agree. It is delicious. The taste makes you think that you're drinking something that's like 7%, like some of our earlier beers, Uh, but it only has an alcohol percentage of 4.4. So this is definitely a day drinking beer for when you're washing your dog and you're throwing your pets around on the porch or driving without a license at six years old. But you can still feel like you're drinking something that is a lot more uh, fascinating than it is because it tastes that way. Not to say it's not fascinating. Shout out Shiner, Texas. Uh, but I love Bach beers. So I'm revoking my shout out. I've never been to Shiner, Texas. I don't know if it's cool, but your beer tastes good. A good beer is enough for me to judge the good and fine people Mm, that's a little <laughs> uh, you sound like you're on the campaign trail <laughs> good for you shiner uh solid beard we drink it it's easily accessible in places that aren't in the middle of fucking nowhere texas so that's tight oh that's b-roll that is b-roll right there he's in the bathroom he's gonna love that when he gets back i got some b-roll there for you mike Noah boys connected to audio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Now it's t- <laughs> Noah. Mute yourself. <laughs> I'm sorry. Now it's time for the newlyweds game for former college roommates who love each other, but only one likes sports and the other one puts up with it. On today's game, we have Alpha Prash roommates Drew and Niles P. Langstorm. Before we get into it. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Goddammit. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Okay. Before we get into the game, let's meet Noah. His origin story begins in the faraway land of Oregon and ends in the warmth and safety of my arms. If you need someone to put the jungle in your juice, if you need a friend to hold your crab leg while you fix your belt, or most importantly, if you need information on all things animal killing related, Noah is your go-to guy. If you're saying to yourself, wow, 
I used to be a 26-year-old single woman looking for a good time in Florida with a college freshman during Thanksgiving break. You're probably now 31 years old and still have under your fingernails. Then this is for you. Additionally, if your only opportunity to experience Noah is through a long-distance virtual relationship, then be sure to subscribe to his nature-based YouTube channel, Rookie Outdoor Learners, which is only a single figurative step above a Zophilia-based OnlyFans account. I've never been so turned on. Okay, so here's how the game works. I'm going to ask Noah and Drew a question. Noah will write down his answer to the question while Drew writes down and tries to guess what his former college roommate wrote. After they have both written their answers, they each reveal what they've written. If Drew guesses Noah slash Niles' answer, everyone drinks. If he doesn't, everyone drinks. Do we all understand the rules? Great. Now drink. I want a good, clean game here. <laughs> You're not going to get one. <laughs> okay, boys. Do you have a pen or third-grade pencil that hasn't been sharpened since Vietnam? Ready? I did some scoping around, and pens are not something I keep around lightly in this household. Do you have any type of writing utensil whatsoever? I have a pencil, but it, it's in pretty bad shape. Like, you know, like when you're like in third grade. And you no, <laughs> you're going to use that pencil and you're going to like it, okay? Oh, no, get a piece okay. of paper. I mean, look at the tip of that thing. That thing is like, that's oh, sad. That's a sad tip. You've never taken notes since leaving college? Like, there's not a single grocery list? You, you got to feel the grocery list or you're not shopping right. Like, it's got to be inside you. Noah, before we start, please send your best to your parents. Uh, and please also tell them I'm sorry for what is probably about to happen. Question number one. Noah is hosting a Super Bowl party. What is his main entree, his signature snack, and the beer of choice to be served? Write down your answer slash what you think Noah's answer is. I think there's only one option in, in college. No, we, we've drank a lot of beers together. Well, do you have your right answers down? Uh, okay, you got to meet time, man. I, I know Stephen Hawking with writing here. Like, All right, Noah has chicken wings. So I crossed out Roadbird because originally I was going to put Roadbird down, but when you said it was just Drew and I, I'm like, all right, that's, like, that's a group thing. That's, you can't get a Roadbird with just one person. Okay, so Noah is not going Roadbird. He's going Chicken Wings. His snack is popcorn, and his beer is b -b 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 Bud Light, written like twice. I went over three on this round. My entree was pan-fried poopy catfish from the Bay that Noah and I definitely used to always eat, and we later found out after eating dozens of them that we were not supposed to eat them, and they're very bad for you. My premier <laughs> snack, uh, this is just a shout out to Noah and I's relationship. And if it was just he and I, I think he would be uh, compassionate enough to provide this for me. Uh, dinosaur oatmeal. We do not oh have to have God. access to a microwave for this snack to work out. Jesus. Uh, and the beer I chose was uh, Shinerbach because I thought that we were not dealing with a college budget, which is the only time you should ever buy Bud Light. <laughs> I do, I do like me a Bud Light every once in a while, but Shinerbach is definitely the cream of the crop. You just don't find it very often in Florida. You have to go to, you got to go to your local Publix, and that's a, <laughs> you only go there on Wednesday for five dollars sushi. <laughs> yeah, Publix is so uncommon in Florida. <laughs> All right, so Drew is O for three. We're moving on to the next question. Noah, where do D one babies come from? Oh, that's a dick question. <laughs> Drew, are you kidding me? No, I didn't. I did not create the questions. This is an August thing. How does August know about D one? I thought I only told like three people about this in my life. 
All right, we're just going to move on. Noah, how many shots of Bacardi Deep is it acceptable to show up to an Eckerd College basketball game? Oh, that's now that's a question. That's a question right there. So we need it's, a number or some other value that is equal damn. to a number. I got to say, you're doing a really poor job of officiating. I've seen zero drinks come from <laughs> your beer <laughs> in the last two questions. That's a good point. Well, you guys are taking forever. What the hell? <laughs> Noah, are you ready? Dude, I've been ready. Okay, show us your your little picture. Dude, I'm not whipping it out unless Drew whips it out. Like, it's a mutual thing here. On, on three, we will each send ours, okay? All right, one, two, three. I think four shots to get in, but you have to bring a flask in with you, and you have to make it conspicuous ah. so you can kind of pass it around. And then at halftime, you need to bring a beer in your pocket so you can, like, shotgun and then go back into the game. One of my favorite Noah memories is shotgunning outside of a basketball game at halftime. Yeah, you, right. you have to. And Drew, your answer was? I answered six. Originally, to be 100% honest, I typed in four because I remember the specific lightweightedness that Noah experienced in his early years in college. And that was mostly when we attend basketball games together. Uh, so I typed in four, but then fixed it to more fit both of our very regular drinking habits. That's fair. Good explanation. I'll count that as a win. I'll count that as a win. And yeah, August, like just for posterity, said seven. So one above... Uh, Drew, August, behind the scenes, is a little bit more of an alcoholic than we are. I was going to say, well, hey, like that means we all have to drink now that we all got it right. So, All right, Mike, what's question number whatever we're on? Question number whatever one. What sports mascot would Noah most likely barbecue and eat? Oh, there's a lot of options there. This is an easy one for me. <laughs> yeah, I think Drew and I got this. <laughs> and I've seen it happen. All right. Noah, what's your answer? The Bears. <laughs> Wow. I've actually eaten bear before, and it's pretty, pretty good. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> That's, that is news to me, both that you ate it and both that it's good. Drew, what was your answer? I did not know Noah has eaten bear. I put the Florida Gators. I have seen Noah skin an alligator oh. from its neck all the way down to the very tip of its tail and throw it on a single grill in the shape of a J. Dude, you're totally right. I, I, I screwed the pooch on that one. <laughs> that is my fault. Okay, drink. That's a drink. All right, Mike, next question. What is Noah's all-time favorite sports movie? I have one, but I've been told it's not a sports movie, but I, I'm still going to say it's a sports movie. That's fine. That, that's almost preferred. What is it? Okay, this is, like, controversial, but The Sandlot. Like, The Sandlot's fucking hilarious. The and Sandlot it is, is a sports movie. A sports movie. <laughs> no, yeah, there's, there's a big movement now going along that's saying The Sandlot is not a sports movie. It's what a movie about nostalgia. And where? Who is arguing uh, the, Sandlot is not a sports movie? This is the Florida Duck Hunters page. Okay, it's a very serious page I follow on Facebook. <laughs> is that anything uh, like the Bear Hunters? No, they're in Alaska. I don't think they watch sports. I'm familiar with the Florida Duck Hunters Facebook page. I answered oh, the Water Boy because I, I know Noah loves being oh. a southern boy. Um, and I think if he would have remembered that, he probably would have put that. And my backup was I know Noah is a, a puppy dog guy, and uh, my backup was Air Bud. I never watched Airbud, but Waterboy, that's some high quality H2O right there. <laughs> I wish I picked that one. Shit. All right, yeah, fellas, the, drink. The New Mexico Frog Hunters Facebook page says it's actually a movie about water. Is there frogs in New Mexico? I thought there's no water there. Isn't uh, it like. I was kidding, but there are frogs here, yes. Uh, <laughs> next. All right, Noah. Drew's birthday was earlier this week. What did you get him? 
My or what love. would you have done <laughs> if you if had cared to anything. and had all the money in the world? Oh, my God. <laughs> Vicky might kill me. <laughs> That's fine. I, I am ordaining that as fine. I think Drew's going to really like this answer. I think everyone's going to be like, that's dog shit. <laughs> All right, Noah, let us be the judge. What is it? Dude, I said an alien spaceship from Area 51. Drew would go nuts if he got it, like, because he's a big alien guy. So if I got him a spaceship from Area 51, he'd be, the ha- like, he'd be happier than a puppy dog, like, getting a bone with peanut butter on it. You know, I, I thought that this was a question more pertaining to what Noah did get me or realistically could get me. Not what Noah, if he could control anything ever in the history of the world, would get me in that case. Um, which, in that case, aliens would have been relevant, but <laughs> I said that Noah's gift to me was or would be a FaceTime in the middle of the night, specifically calculated as a means to interrupt, well, you know. Coitus. Excellent. <laughs> Coitus was also the word I was going to use. Point to Noah and Drew. He gets out of prison. Noah does not give him bail, but does get him lube. We're on to meet a mascot. Let's crack open beer number five. Cheers, everyone. Now it's time to enter our second meet a mascot battle royale. This week, we are joined by our expert animal mascot correspondent, Noah Landstrom, who you can find on YouTube at Rookie Outdoor Learners. In one corner of the ring, we have Nash, the saber-toothed tiger, and Nashville Predators mascot. Nash has an amazing backstory. In 1971, construction crews in Nashville discovered the bones of a saber-toothed tiger in a cave below the city. Then, in 1994, while digging the foundations for the new Nashville arena, they found a baby saber-toothed tiger, completely frozen in a huge block of ice. Legend says the crew placed the frozen cub in the center of the arena to thaw. When they returned the next morning, the ice had melted and the creature was gone. They searched for days, but never found it. In 1998, the year the team was founded, Nash, the former baby cub, heard the familiar roar of Predators fans cheering their team on opening night and came home. And the mascot that Nash will be facing in our Meet a Mascot Battle Royale number two is Sharky, the San Jose Sharks mascot, who doesn't have a cool backstory or anything interesting about him at all, but he's still a goddamn fucking shark. Before any good sports match, we should go over some statistics so we know what to expect. Sabertooth tigers survived the Ice Age longer than any other mammal, making them the dominant predator on the planet for thousands of years. On the other hand, sharks are one of the oldest species to have ever lived on the Earth, tracing back to almost 500 million years ago. Noah slash Niles, as our animal mascot expert, please break down this fight and tell us, who do you think would win? Yeah, Noah. Is it the saber-toothed cat, or is it the shark? He's told us to wait. All right, now, oh, you just choked. Just kidding. All right, so we got a saber-toothed cat, right? So we got a big old bad, bad kitty, and we got a shark. So let's be honest here. Unless we're analyzing logic from, what's that Marky Mark movie where the damn tuna can get breathing apparatuses, the other guys, Unless it's the other guy's world where tunas can get breathing apparatuses, the, the kitty's going to have to make his way out to the shark, all right? And if that's the case, that shark's going to snatch that kitty up, drown him, and eat him for, for supper. So it really depends on who's going to be the main attacker, all right? Now, if 
we're in like four feet of water here, all right? And the shark kind of has like, you know, he's visible by the tiger and the tiger can kind of lay some, some damage on him. I still think I'm going to have to go with shark because they have like some of the most ferocious instincts and like biting ability versus the tiger that even if he claws a shark, as the animal expert, I don't think a lot of people here has touched a shark. I know Drew and I touched a baby hammerhead when we first moved into college together, but it's a very thick skin when they start getting big. Like when them big boys start coming in, it's not easy to penetrate that skin. So I'm going to have to go with shark because a saber tooth tiger, yeah, he can dig in his teeth. He can make that thing bleed a little bit. But I'm telling you, that shark's going to fuck his day up if he gets close to him in his arena. But if we're bringing in, like, breathing apparatuses and those type of devices... Yeah, no, I think you broke that down really well. There are two main things I have to talk about. The first thing is that, as you, in your expert opinion, said, sharks are very difficult to penetrate. Number two, if this shark was coming on land, uh, somehow I think it would be... I think it would look very silly. I I think that if the shark is on land, then obviously the cat is going to win. But the cat is going into the water... Cats already don't like being wet. It's going to meow, meow, meow all the way to the bottom of the ocean as the shark drags it down. And the shark is really, really going to fuck this cat up. And, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm a big fan of the pussy when it comes to fighting. But I think in this case, the shark is going to beat the, beat the kitty in this case. I'm going to take the underdog here. I think in four feet of water, the shark's not going to be able to drown the big cat. I, I think Bro. you're really underestimating the acrobatics of a, of a large cat. Small cats, you drop those motherfuckers from like four feet, they are not going to land on their backs. They are going to land on their feet. They're going to uh, flip around. I think in water, if a shark tries to drag it down, they're going to be able to flip around and get their big ass fucking saber tooth goddamn mutton lips all over that shark's gills and choke it out. Michael, hold up. Okay. First off, Michael, are you from an area that marijuana is legalized? Do I have legal representation? Drew's my legal representation. Uh, no, I'm not. Okay, never mind. Then I was going to say, if you are, which I guess you're not, then that's, that's what's inspiring your answer here. But listen, you have a shark come in and bite at full, like, you know, going full speed, even in four feet water, that thing at full speed and like biting it, it's going to break its neck in one go. Or if it like anything it bites, it's going to break, like snap in half. If a saber tooth cat gets a claw, into the gill of a shark, do you think it's just going to like prong it a little bit and then let go? It's going to tear the fuck out of that thing so it can't breathe in water anymore. Cats hate water to begin with. Like you ever tried forcing a kitty in your sink? Like I remember one time I had a cat and I like tried throwing it in the river and it, it, it did not like that idea at all. No, that, Don't that's ask about the context, cat. but. <laughs> Tigers swim, jaguars swim. If we have a prehistoric ginormous cat, that's honestly probably the size of a great white shark. I, I need somebody to fact check me on that, but. I think a large cat that can swim is going to wreck that shark's shit, especially if it has trees in the water, rocks in the water, some sort of high ground, some sort of uh, environment that lets it climb up and then pounce on top of that shark. That, that th- and cats love to eat fucking fish. That's all I'm going to say. I think the fish that cats enjoy eating is like canned tuna. Any of us can eat canned tuna. and We don't have to step a single foot or toe or claw in the ocean. I, I have a lot of difficulty trusting something as silly of an animal as a cat. And I'm not saying that I could, you know, fight a saber-toothed cat with much success. But we are talking about in the water, even if there are rocks and trees. Four feet of water is maybe a little bit deeper than I think everyone's talking about. Like four feet of water, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit just under six foot. I would be two-thirds underwater. I would be like just around nipple height under my water. 
I am not going to efficiently fight a, a shark in nipple deep water. That's simply not going to happen. I'm not a cat, but if I were a cat, I would walk on all fours and I would definitely be underwater in four feet unless I was a goddamn big cat. The motherfuckers too, they don't even grow up on land. They, they grew up in the ice age, right? Like I've seen the movie. Like, unless you have, like, a sloth and, and a mammoth on his side, like, that, that thing's getting his shit wrecked every single time because Diego, Diego ain't shit. A mammoth would 100% kill a shark. Oh, mm, I don't know. As the animal, yeah. Uh, Let's move on to our next Animal Fight Night segment. Okay. Noah, as our residential animal expert and correspondent for our podcast, the next thing we're going to have you do is – assess which mascots of pro sports teams in the United States would be the easiest to hunt and why? Now that's a question. All right. Cause hunting has a lot of components to it. Right. And you can tune into rookie outdoors for this. All right. Which is my channel, which y'all should do. <laughs> but, um, it depends. Are we hunting for meat or are we hunting for skins and like trying to like mount things? Like it depends. Like, are you trying to go on a trophy hunt? Are you trying to like provide for yourself? Cause I have a few different answers here, all right? So if we're going on the meat aspect, like you're trying to provide for you and your family, you're going to find your local Chicago bear. You're going to go find, which I don't even think Chicago has bears, like maybe black bears or like, I don't know, like maybe brown bears. I haven't been up that far to that area. But you're going to find your local Chicago bear. You're going to get your 30-06. You're going to get that thing aimed at the bear, and you're going to bring them home, and you're going to have like meat for – a whole year. All right. Like you're going to have a ton of different like cuts of meat and you're going to love yourself for it. If you're going for a trophy hunt, like you're trying to mount this thing or like you're trying to like show everybody like, yo, what up? You're going to go to Canada. All right. You're going to have to like hide a firearm. Cause I don't think they believe in those things over there. And you're going to find your Toronto Raptor. Like think about it. You'd be the first person ever to kill a dinosaur. Unless you think alligators are dinosaurs, but like, come on, like, you know, we're, we're going to stick to like the, prehistoric era or whatever however that dinosaur stuff works you're going to go to, to canada you're going to find toronto raptor and then you're going to find your local taxidermist you're going to want to spend a lot of money on this okay like you don't want to find a cheap you know craigslist taxidermist because those things turn out like crap you're going to take that thing to your good buddy and you're going to want to get that thing mounted and that's going to be the best trophy that ever happened like canada they don't hate anybody like they're super nice people all they're going to be like yo you shouldn't have killed that uh shouldn't have killed that raptor eh and that's all, that's all it's going to be of it. Noah, uh, first of all, thank you for sharing your Canadian accent with us. That was top notch. I'd love to hear more of it. But second of all, I think you bring up a really important point, And I think this is why we wanted to bring you on this podcast. You, you have an expert opinion, as we previously stated. Uh, it's displayed all over the internet on OnlyFans and Rookie Outdoor Learners on YouTube. You, you have uh, once again defended the dinosaur mascot for us. The dinosaur mascot, hands down, would be the coolest. I mean, absolutely not the easiest. Maybe, maybe in fact, the hardest outside of the Seattle Kraken, a, a newborn mascot. So it's probably still a baby, relatively easy to hunt. Anyways, the dinosaur, very solid mascot. The Velociraptor, especially, it is a predator. It will probably know that you're hunting it before you know that. Uh, so thank you for sharing your expert opinion and defending our love and appreciation. Can I just say, I think we're really ignoring domesticated animal mascots. Like a colt, a horse, that would be so easy to hunt. You just take it. It's already in the barn. You just turn it into glue. I mean, like, yeah, but like horse meat's like eh on the scale, you know? Like, yeah, but glue is I'm nice. Noah, we're now going to do a speed round where we give you two mascots and you have to say who would win in a fight. 
Okay. Deal. Number one, Los Angeles Rams versus Minnesota Timberwolves. Timberwolves. Memphis Grizzlies or Buffalo Bills? Grizzlies. Arizona Diamondbacks or Atlanta Hawks? Hawks. Charlotte Hornets or Baltimore Ravens? Hornets. San Francisco Giants or Seattle Kraken? Kraken. Dallas Cowboys or Cleveland Indians? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, stalemate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, probably as good as an answer as you could have come out of there with. <laughs> it's a draw. <laughs> it's a draw. Don't mind me just kind of <laughs> doing my own thing over here. It was <laughs> I got a good bird on the table. <laughs> Sorry, vegans. This is Slam Drunk. Sorry, vegans. Welcome to the Mike and Drew Beer Review featuring animal expert Noah Landstrom. Yeah. We just opened our last beer, and now we're going to rate it, especially now that we are on number six. Noah, we all know I have a long history with Shinerbach, but when is the first time you had Shinerbach? All right, so the first time I had Shinerbach was in Texas, Drew. We were out helping out on the ranch, and uh, it was in somebody's refrigerator. I don't remember which one of Drew's relatives uh, it was in the refrigerator for, but I remember we kind of had to sneak it out because, like, Grandma Linda did not like alcohol, like, for us. By the way, if you're watching this, Grandma Linda, love you. <laughs> Hope you're doing great. Sorry we took a couple Shiners, but – I remember as soon as I had that sweet, sweet alcohol touch my lips, I was like hooked on this beer forever. Beers that you have to sneak in or out are the best beers to put in and eventually pee out. Drew, what, when was your first Shinerbach? Truthfully, due to alcohol poisoning, I have no idea when my first actual Shinerbach was. I know it was between the ages of 5 and 11. Uh, I've come from a beer family. I've been drinking beer for a while and specifically – the Shinerbach traditional beer, which is absolutely delicious beginning to end. Brings up the point, like, if you're going to enjoy this beer, enjoy it when you're 21 and of age, so that way, like, you don't get sick, you don't go to the hospital, you don't almost die, like. <laughs> and that way you remember the experience. Well, you, that's not required. But, you know, do when, do when you're not, like, 11 <laughs> or 6. I would say drink the Shinerbach beer when you are at an appropriate age to actually appreciate a beer. I don't think I was able to appreciate beer probably until I was 17 years old. But let's go on to the next question. Uh, Noah and Mike, what were your guys' preconceived notions about Shinerbach? Well, when I first so when I first saw that beer in the fridge in Texas, I was like, oh shit, free beer. <laughs> so it was pretty awesome because at that time, it was like beer was hard to come by and you know, you just bought the cheapest shit. So you had Bush Light every single weekend. So as soon as you saw like a bottle in the fridge, you're like, oh. And then it was like in like a family's household. You're like, okay, this is like good dad beer or whatever. So I was pretty hyped when I first had it. Now every single time I buy it, I'm like the happiest. Like, you know, I'm like a kid at like a candy shop. I'm just happy as heck. I'll be honest. When I first had it in college with Drew and Noah, I, I definitely thought that it was going to be trash beer because going to college parties, you just kind of expect that from every beer you don't recognize. And it was such a shocker to have a beer that tasted that good that was that popular amongst our friend group. So I had no preconceived notions other than I thought it was going to suck a lot more than it did. It tastes fucking great. It's a decent alcohol percentage to get you through the day. That's all I can say. Noah and Drew, 
Why don't you guys go ahead and rate Shiner Bach on a scale of one to ten? Honestly, it's a ten out of ten. Like this is the cream of the crop. This is like this is like the golden cow's udder of beer. So I'm going to go ten out of ten because this is my favorite all time beer. Again, it's a little pricey, so if, you know if you're not if you're not okay with forking out like twelve bucks for a six pack, this might not be be the beer for you. Go see the Bush Light aisle. But for me. This is like the cream of the crop, best beer you can have, 10 out of 10 in my book. No, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, this beer has been a staple of my entire existence since my birth, essentially. And uh, this is a 10 out of 10 for me. Um, I'm not saying uh, it's the best beer in the world ever, but I am saying it is 100% my favorite beer. This beer is family for me. This beer is football for me. It's friends for me. This beer encapsulate in in covers everything uh, that's important to me that a beer can cover, and uh, good times only when drinking the Shiner Buck. It's delicious enough that you know it makes up for the four point four percent. It's not a beer that's going to get you crazy drunk off of six, uh, depending on on your tolerance to alcohol. But it's delicious, which makes it easy to drink a lot more. I agree. Um, I don't think I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10 just because it's it's not a beer that I identify with as, as much as Drew and Noah do. I think I'd go somewhere around a 7 out of 10, maybe an 8 out of 10, but I do agree I've never had a bad time with it. I do think it's a little too pricey for the amount of alcohol in there, but the taste is worth it. The memories are worth it. Um, I've Like I said, I've only had good times drinking it with my friends um, whereas with other beers that I identify a little bit more with, like Yingling or Heineken, I've definitely had some bad times. But if you drink um, too much of it, you're, you're probably not going to regret it as much as other beers that, that are of the same level. For the fans listening out there, um, all you need to know is that Mike is an IPA person. So it's, it's definitely more leaning towards a 10 out of 10. It not only reflects on his beer taste buds, but as well as a sports team. He's an Eagles fan. Noah, you do not know enough about the beers I drink or the sports that I watch because Yingling is my 10 out of 10. And that is neither an IPA uh, or a pretentious beer, but it is uh, an Eagles beer. The Eagles beer is not an IPA. Noah, out of the uh, you know six to eight professional sports teams that you know the names of and or the cities that they reside in, what, what team out of that very limited crop would you say this, team, this beer is for you? Oh, Dallas Cowboys all the way. I'm telling you, like, you talk to somebody in Philadelphia about Shinerbach, they're going to be like, what the hell is that? I, I don't know. Like, what's a Philly accent? Like, Mike, give me, a, give me a Philly accent here so I can, like, try to copy it. I think you know enough about what you're talking about to give me. It's like, yo, bro, this, this shit's fucking cheeks. I don't know. Like, this, this shit's fucking cheeks. That's, that's what they probably say over in Philadelphia and probably give it, like, an 8 out of 10. You go to Texas, everybody's going to be like, yo – Listen, listen, y'all, this is, this is the beer you want. This beer is going to get you through the work day. It's going to get you through NFL. It's going to get you through your marital problems, all right, partner? That's what this beer brings. This beer can get you through a lot of different things. I don't particularly drink during work because I work at a school. Uh, well, I, I, I don't drink at work uh, explicitly. <laughs> Let's make sure that that gets in there. But I do drink this beer in hard times, and sometimes, well, often – the Chargers give me hard times. And so this beer for me... Which is why you should have five teams. <laughs> sure. This beer for me pretty well represents the Chargers because while the Chargers, like I said, this beer is not the best beer I've ever had. The Chargers are not the best team I've ever watched play football. 
uh, or play a sport otherwise. But I continue to root for them. I've always rooted for them. I've always drank, drunk, drunk, uh, Shinerbach. Hey, Drew, do you think do you think Philip Rivers hates Shinerbach? And if he does, do you hate him now? I don't think Philip Rivers knows enough about beer to hate or love any individual beer, especially something that uh, is not as well known as Shinerbach. Hey, Mike, as a Philly fan, do you think Donovan McNabb likes Shinerbach, or like does he probably not even know it because he's probably an IPA person? I don't know what the correlation between Philly people and IPAs are, and I'm not sure that Donovan McNabb is as popular with Eagles fans nowadays as you still think he is. So I'm going to ignore that question and say, fuck you. Uh, the Cowboys are not the team that I'm going to associate with this. In fact, I looked it up. Geographically, Shiner, Texas is closer to Austin, San Antonio, and Houston than it is Dallas. So I feel comfortable in saying it is not a Cowboys beer. And even before Drew said that he related it to the Chargers, I was going to say that I relate Shinerbach to the Chargers as well, because no team I have ever uh, heard of have I correlated with a person as much as I have the Chargers with Drew. And likewise for Shinerbach. Hold up, Mike. There, there's a big flaw with that answer there, okay? Any California team you list, there's not going to be any beer associated. It's going to be like a seltzer. So it's like you either got to choose White Claw, Bud Light Seltzer, or, or Truly's. Like, they, they don't drink beer over there. They, they want their two grams of calories and, like, and shitty European drink, drunk water. Well, that's probably why, I mean, if you're rating it with a beer, you, you would have to go with a beer, not a seltzer. So I'm not sure where the correlation is there i'm telling you californians they don't drink beer man they just want that like that like watery you know fizzy shit that makes you like oh my god like i'm, I'm happy drinking this because it's only two grams of calories and i'm gonna look hot weren't you the one that said in in your uh apparently anything is possible scenario didn't you say your beer would be bud light okay well yeah, like, defend yourself here's the thing <laughs> i put bud light down <laughs> i put bud light down because i was like Going to happy medium. I don't know. I got to choose the cream of the crop. All right. If we're like going any, like if I'm throwing like a party and here's the thing too, like if I'm choosing a beer to get slammed on, I have to choose something I can shotgun. Noah, in what world is Bud Light a happy medium for anyone? And in yeah, what I, world- I'm going to have to, you're in a pretty rough high and low with me. If Bud Light's your medium. What is, what is below Bud Light in that situation? What is the low? All right, all right, boys, I'm going to give you the progression of beer right here, okay? And this is, this is how it needs to go, okay? At the very bottom, you have Bush Latte, okay? It's what the, the cheapest, fuck? It is the cheapest shit you can get. It's like 3.5%, and it has, like, lower calories, all right? So for you California people that may drink a beer every once in a while. So at the very bottom tier, we have, like, we have uh, Bush Light. All right, you go on top of that. You got, like, Bush Heavy. Then you have PBR, okay? So for those boys that watch, um, what's the what's the racing shit? The NASCAR, where you go left. For if you go if you go watch NASCAR, you got you got Coors Light, and you have PBR, kind of like almost in the same tier, but PBR is a little higher than Coors in my opinion. Coors is is trash. All right, then you take a step up, you start to get to like the better beers. That's where I'm gonna add like Rainier. I'm gonna put whatever Mike Mike what was that beer you listed earlier. Probably Yingling. Yeah, Yingling. You have you like have Yingling, Yingling below Yingling. Bud Light. I I honestly do because Yingling I like, tastes better and it's a higher ABV. Well, and you can shotgun the, it. 
I like how you know. Wait, your wait, ABVs. wait, wait, wait. I'm demand... sure you know your IPAs as well, Mike. I demand an interruption. Noah, what does ABV stand for? Alcoholic. Keep your hands where I can see them. ABV. Alcoholic bitch percentage. I don't know, but like it's something stupid. <laughs> Drew, you got to sell it, all right? <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for joining us on the sixth episode of the Slam Drunk Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Hernandez. I'm joined by Michael Hadrosaur Wessner, and we also nice. had a very lucky, cute, especially special guest, Noah Landstrom, our residential animal expert on this week's episode. August Dichter is the drawer of our bubble baths and also our producer on the side. Sophie, Le- Fuck. Sophie Levinson is our sound engineer. Tyler Wait, Solano. Sophie Levinson? Yeah, that's Sophie Levinson. Noah, do you want to oh, introduce shit. Sophie Levinson? Credits is regularly the only segment we can get through quickly. And I think this is the first time we have failed to do that. Noah, would you like to introduce her or no? We're going on. Sophie <laughs> Levinson is our sound engineer. Tyler Salami Eglund is responsible for our episode art, as always. William Bill Powell is our European sports correspondent. Noah Landstrom is our IPA conspiracy theorist and animal mascot expert. Our intro song samples Dreams by DJ Quads. Check out Chill Records on YouTube and at chilloutmedia.com. Email us at slamdrunkpod at gmail.com. I don't know why no one has yet. It's pretty simple. It's literally just the name of the podcast plus gmail.com. It's so easy. Please don't drink if you are under the age of 21, unless you, of course, live in Mexico or pretty much anywhere in Europe or otherwise in the world. And please, 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 please wear a mask. Unless you're in Florida, because Florida, like, COVID doesn't exist anymore. COVID's gone in Florida. If you're in Florida, please wear a mask when you're around Noah, because it seems like he's not going to anywhere else. If you ever recognize Noah's voice in the uh, apparently very rare occasions that he travels into a Publix to buy his Shiner box, please uh, put as much hand sanitizer as you physically can on his body. A real question, though, I have for you guys, like, real, kind of, like, kind of real. Like, what do you think, like, the longest winning streak of, like, a certain rooster has been in a fighting ring? Like, it can't be that high, but I don't think it could be that low either. Like, I feel like...